Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team, for leading us into the throne room. And uh, today we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 24. If you have your scripture and want to open up to 1 Samuel 24, you know, most of us have no problem accepting Jesus Christ as King and his, the authority that he has. But what we fail to understand is that he, our king, has given that kingdom authority to his subjects, to his children, and that we too may, with him, may exercise kingdom authority. You know, that thought alone, that thought is staggering. That we have kingdom authority in Jesus Christ. I mean, King David was a mighty warrior, a man who exercised kingdom authority. The Bible tells us that young David, as a shepherd, he killed a bear, he killed a lion, and then he killed Goliath. And later, as king, he went from victory to victory to victory, exercising kingdom authority. But the greatest victory that David ever won was not over someone or something else, but it was a victory over himself. It was a victory over himself. One day in a cave, he learned the lesson that I hope we can learn also. And that is this, to have kingdom authority, you must remain under authority. This is key. This is a very huge principle. Listen, it's not God's plan for you to be defeated by the world, by the flesh, and by the devil. It is his plan that we be victorious in that. Jesus died and he rose again to give you the authority over these. But never forget this. We will never be over what God plans to put under us until we are willing to get under and stay under those that God has put over us. This is, this is huge, and we need to understand this. I'm going to come back to that in just a minute. I'm going to go ahead and read the scripture now. 1 Samuel 24, uh, if you have your scripture open and ready, let's read along together. But I'm going to begin in verse 8 and uh, read down through verse 19. But what happened was, and just set this up for just a moment, David was running from King Saul, and King Saul was pursuing him with 3,000 men. And David and his, his little band there that were with him, they, they were hiding in a cave. And they, they, they got into this cave where they couldn't be seen, and they were, they were hiding out. And guess who walks in the cave? King Saul. He went in the cave to basically to relieve himself. And so he goes in there and it's dark in there. He cannot see those that are in there already. And um, 
David is in this cave and he goes up and he cuts part of the hem of his robe off. That's how close he is to King Saul. And then we, we pick it up here in verse 8 and it says this. It says, now afterward David arose and he went out of the cave and called after Saul saying, my Lord the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the ground and prostrated himself. And David said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of men saying, behold, David seeks to harm you? Behold, this day your eyes have seen that the Lord has given you today into my hand in the cave. And some said to kill you, but my eye had pity on you. And I said, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Now my father, see, indeed, see the edge of your robe in my hand. For in that I cut off the edge of your robe and did not kill you. Know and perceive that there is no evil or rebellion in my hands, and I have not sinned against you, though you are lying in wait for my life to take it. May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge me on you, but my hand shall not be against you. As the proverb of the ancients says, out of the wicked comes forth wickedness. But out of my hand shall not be against, excuse me, but my hand shall not be against you. After whom has the king of Israel come out? Whom are you pursuing? A dead dog? A single flea? The Lord therefore be judge and decide between you and me. And may he see and plead my cause and deliver me from your hand. And when David had finished speaking these words to Saul, Saul said, is this your voice, my son David? Then Saul lifted up his voice and wept. He said to David, you are more righteous than I, for you have dealt well with me while I have dealt wickedly with you. You have declared today that you have done good to me, that the Lord delivered me into your hand, and yet you did not kill me. For if a man finds an in his enemy, will he let him go away safely? May the Lord therefore reward you with good in return for what you have done to me this day. Loving Father, I thank you for your word and I thank you for the truth and how it speaks to our hearts. I ask Holy Spirit that you would once again be our teacher, our guide and lead us, Father, into truth. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice for us. We thank you for the forgiveness of our sins. And I pray this day, Father, that, that many would come to know you in a very personal way. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You know, David is hiding from Saul. And Saul is the current king of Israel. Though he was an unworthy king... Nevertheless, Saul was God's appointed and anointed. He was there in that position because God put him there. 
And so Saul learned God was going to replace him with David, and he sees David as this rising star in the kingdom, even while his own son is setting on the horizon, if you will. But stewing in a jealous rage, Saul wants to kill David, and and David becomes public enemy number one. And all of the kingdom's energies are now focused on Saul's uh, burning, malicious ambition to kill David. You know, Saul takes 3,000 hand-picked men to pursue him. And one day as David hides in a cave, he enters this cave and it's dark. David and his companions, are, their eyes are accustomed to the darkness of the cave. And so Saul can't see them. And David's men, they whisper, you can just imagine them. Hey, David, this is your opportunity. This is it, man. Do you see this? Just one whack with the sword. Just one whack with the sword. And goodbye to hiding in caves. You're welcome. I mean, right? I mean, and now we get the riches. Now we get the power. Now we get the honor. Now we get the authority. You'll be the next king. So sword in hand, David goes over in the darkness and he, he cuts off the edge of, of, of uh, Saul's robe. That's how close he is. He's able to cut the edge of his robe off. But he won't kill Saul. He won't kill him. Then after Saul's a safe distance away, David, he cries out and he says, Saul, see what I have? Do you see what I could have done to you? But refusing to execute vengeance, David won a victory on this day, not over Saul, but over himself. You know, Proverbs 16, 32, it says, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. See, David practiced what the New Testament says in Romans 12, 21, where it says, be not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And in that, David gained a great victory that day. See, many Christians today, (laughs) we are into the cult of self-realization where all the answers are found in me, in you. See, ours is a generation of selfaholics. We're pickled in ourselves We're centered in me. We're preoccupied with me. We are dedicated to self. But the Bible teaches us that self-surrender through our Lord Jesus Christ, where the answers are found in him, we have to die to self. And, and, And the thing is, is our generation is steeped in self. You know, in the last days, Jesus said this in Matthew uh, 24, 12. He said in the last days, and, and I love this because he says, because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will become cold. Because lawlessness is increased, 
Most people's love will become cold. And we see this in our streets. We see this in our cities. We see this in our homes. And we see this in our churches. See, children are rebelling against the authority of their parents. They're rebelling against the authority of their teachers. They're rebelling against the authority of the policemen like never before. And in churches, there is a spirit of rebellion. A rebellion that starts right here. Arrogant theologians and pastors are revising the Bible to make it politically correct. But understand this, all of this is Satan's work. I mean, so what should we do when we're facing ungodly authority? Like David, we must recognize kingdom authority. Even though Saul was unworthy, he was still Israel's anointed king. And when David later had another opportunity to kill Saul, this is what he said in 1 Samuel 26, verse 9. He says this, he says, But David said to Abishai, Do not destroy him, for who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be without guilt? So how do we recognize kingdom authority? I want to reference Romans 13. Romans 13, verses 1 through 5 says this. It says, every person, including you, including me, every person is to be subject to the governing authorities, to be subject to the government. For there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. See, when you rebel against those authorities God has put over you, you're not rebelling against those authorities as much as you are rebelling against Almighty God. For rulers are not a a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good. And you will have praise from the same, for it is the servant of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. It is For it is a servant of God, an avenger, who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, that is to keep you from doing something, uh, keep him from doing something to you, but also for the sake of conscience, to keep your your heart right with God. See, we may feel like David's friends who told David, you know, hey, you got a chance here. You got a chance to get him. Go get him. But David wisely and humbly said, no. God sets up kings and he brings them down. I will be subject to the authorities God has put over me. You know, some people might say, well, wait. 
You don't know the kind of government we have. Maybe you don't know the government that was in power when Paul wrote Romans. Nero was in charge. Nero was the emperor. Do you realize that Nero took charge of the entire Roman Empire when he was yet 16, almost 17 years old? He reigned for 14 years, so his reign ended when he was about 30, maybe 31. There's a reason why insurance companies drop insurance rates at 25. I would not want to be in, a, in an empire that is run by a 16, 17 year old. I'm sorry. You know it and I know it. There are worse things than where we find ourselves. But what if I have an unworthy authority? What if my parents are unworthy? What if my husband, what if my president, what if my mayor, what if my boss, what do I do? Here's what you don't do. You don't have a spirit of rebellion. Don't have a spirit of rebellion. We must recognize the authority that God has put over us. And I want you to understand something. Everyone, everyone has an authority over them. Everyone. There was a time when Samuel, remember he was the one who anointed Saul. He was the one who anointed David. There was a time when Samuel was speaking for God to, and he told Saul to do something. And Saul refused. And, and so Samuel rebuked him with these words in Samuel, 1 Samuel 15, 23. He says, for rebellion is as the sin of divination and insubordination is as iniquity and idolatry because you have rejected the word of the Lord he has also rejected you from being king. <laughs> wow. See, David was a man after God's own heart. And Saul was a man after the devil's own heart. Saul had the spirit of rebellion and David had the spirit of submission. See, you're never more like the devil than when you are a rebel. You're never more like the Lord Jesus than when you submit. See, that doesn't mean we approve what some authorities do any more than David approved what Saul did. Saul was very wrong, but David understood the principle of being under authority. Therefore, David learned to rule his kingdom that God gave him with great power and great authority. See, we must respect kingdom authority. Even though Saul was unworthy, David recognized and respected his authority. He spoke to Saul with respect. He, he didn't give in to Saul's wicked ways. And, and, and he said, I'm trusting God to get me out of this. Folks, this is the hard part. Because it's one thing to grudgingly obey that authority. It's quite another to respect that authority. I mean, sometimes children have parents who 
who don't deserve respect. If your parents are like that, be respectful to them anyway. If you have teachers that don't deserve respect, respect them anyway. If you have a pastor that that doesn't deserve respect, respect them anyway. If your government doesn't deserve respect, then respect the government anyway. Because listen, that doesn't mean that we give in to the wickedness or that we approve the error any more than David approved what Saul did. But it was David's submission that brought Saul's kingdom crashing down. It was his submission that made David the king that he was. See, I hope you understand that we need to live and we need to practice kingdom authority. If not, you'll never understand spiritual authority. Teach your children to behave respectfully to authority. Around the dinner table, if you are criticizing policemen, if you're criticizing pastors, if you're criticizing teachers and presidents, you're building into your children a spirit of rebellion. Because you are not respecting that authority over your life. See, that's going to come back on you and you're going to have a little rebel on your hands. Remember, it's not respecting the individual, but getting yourself in a place under authority. And when you do, God is going to work in your life in an incredible way. When God sees you don't have the spirit of rebellion, when God, he can fill you with the power and give you the kingdom authority. See, God wants his people to live with kingdom authority. We will never be over those God has put under us until we are willing to get under those God has put over us. Whoever it is, whether we like them or not. You know, an older, wiser Peter, he said this in 1 Peter 2, verse 18 and following. He said, servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect Not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. For this finds favor if for the sake of conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it. This finds favor with God. Do it for conscience sake. So that you can look God in the eye. So that your prayers will be answered. When you do well but suffer for it, take it patiently. Because this is praiseworthy to God. Jesus is our supreme example in this. When they had him on trial, he answered them not a word. He submitted to their authority. And I want to say this, rest in kingdom authority. We don't rest in governments or the Saul's who run them. We rest in the Lord. 
See, David was ahead of his time. He understood what the, the Spirit later wrote in Romans 12, um, 19 through 20. It says, never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. <laughs> Folks, this is contrary to human nature, isn't it? I mean, you think about this. It's contrary to human nature for me. But that doesn't mean we blindly obey ungodly governments or those in authority over us. We exercise submission to authority, but not acceptance of their wickedness. You know, God's prophets, they preached against wickedness. Nathan confronted David with his sin. Elijah warned Ahab. Daniel spoke to Nebuchadnezzar. Moses to the Pharaoh. And may God forbid that our pulpits be silent today when wickedness prevails in so many places. We do not agree, but like David... We must be governed by a spirit of humility and surrender to God. David killed a bear, a lion, and Goliath. But his greatest victory was the day in that cave when he said, I'm going to get under those God has put over me so I can be over those God has put under me. When we do the same, God can trust us to bring wicked kingdoms crashing down see the church dear ones is not the master of the state nor the the servant of the state we are the conscience of the state to preach God's truth Amen. see David reveals that he stood he still considered himself a subject of the king of Israel and I think this is, this is big because the best and the wisest men are always the least ready to rebel against those in authority. Their obedience will stand a much more severe test than that of lesser men in, in their character and in their ability. Take, for instance, a son who is beyond his father in excellence and wisdom. He will be far more loyal to his unscrupulous and erring parent than one who is like him in character. A citizen who is morally and intellectually superior to his ruler will endure more before he renounces his allegiance than one who is less intelligent and less godly. See, good and noble Men and people down through history have been tested both in their public and private relationships by the incapacity and wickedness of those in authority over them. 
And sometimes it has become their duty to disown such authority and renounce their allegiance to such rule. But this step is taken with reluctance by men who seem to have the most right to take it. It seems to us, when we read this history, that all of the men of Israel at this time, of all of them, David was the least bound to acknowledge Saul as his Lord and King when he's trying to kill him. No man in Saul's kingdom had deserved Saul's gratitude as much as David. But no one had received as much ingratitude and cruelty at Saul's hand as David. See, God's timing is always, always right. Wait patiently for him. Wait patiently for him. See, David's mode of address here shows that he is still acknowledging himself as a subject to Saul. David had only taken up arms in self-defense, not in defiance. See, the spirit of this Old Testament servant of God was the same as that which indwelled the apostles and the martyrs of the early church. And it had its root in the same recognition of God as the supreme ruler and judge of all men. See, I believe there's some interesting and important information here for all of us who are seeking to know the will of God. Our circumstances are unreliable guides. The ultimate guidance of God comes from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who indwells within and the conviction that he brings in the heart of the believer. It is the Holy Spirit who guides us. But to learn to follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit is a lifetime journey. And no one will ever completely learn it. Especially those who do not start trying to learn it. How do you discern the Holy Spirit's guidance in your life? Let me give you an analogy real quick and then I'll be done. It's like learning to walk. You ever seen a little child? Maybe sitting up in a high chair as he thinks about adults walking by? Hmm. He might think in his mind, I think I understand how this walking goes. You know, all you do is stand on one foot and put your weight on it and put your other foot forward and put your weight on it and next put your other foot forward and, you know, and one bit, just like that. And then this little kid probably takes the, the high chair table off of the high chair. Well, we don't even use high chairs hardly anymore, but we did in my day. But he slide down and start walking. No, that's not how children learn how to walk. How they learn how to walk is they learn how to walk by pulling themselves up. They learn how to walk by beginning to crawl and they they pull themselves up and they move around on the furniture, grabbing pieces of furniture and finally they take one step and everybody's so excited and then they collapse. And then they take two or three more steps and then they collapse. My point is this. Even we can get as old as 80 years old and we still collapse. We still don't have it perfect. 
But it's something that we learn and we keep learning and we make mistakes and we keep learning and we keep learning and we make mistakes and we keep learning. But you have to put it into practice. And we walk by faith, not by sight. The Holy Spirit knows more than we do. And he guides us in that if we are willing to listen and follow. But here's how we act most of the time. We clearly recognize the Holy Spirit speaking to us. But we don't want to do it. And so we do what we want to do. Rather than what the Holy Spirit tells us to do. And in that, we're not under their authority. We don't like anybody telling us anything to do. Because we think we know better. But if you're not under his authority, he can't trust you with spiritual authority. He can't trust you with kingdom authority. As I wrap this up, I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up. You know, you will never win a victory over self or anything else until you surrender and submit your life to Jesus Christ. I mean, you must first submit, first submit to him, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, to Jesus himself. And when you give your heart to Jesus, he will cleanse you and he will forgive you of your sin, everyone. If you're here today and you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to do that. Because he died for sinners and receive his grace as a free gift that God offers to those who acknowledge their need and they turn to him. Folks, we're talking about kingdom authority. We're talking about being under God's authority and allowing those that God puts in charge to, for us to come under them. Because God knows that when we do that, he can trust us with more. In just a moment, I'm going to pray. I'm going to lead us in prayer. And after I do, I'm going to invite you to come. You know, maybe you want to receive the Lord this morning. Maybe you have never trusted him and you want to do that this morning. I would love to pray with you as you receive Jesus Christ. I would love to introduce you to him. Maybe you come this morning and you want to be, follow the Lord in baptism. You've accepted Christ, but you haven't ever been obedient to the point of baptism. Do that this morning. Maybe you're here and you want to be a, a member of Memorial. You want to come and be a part of this fellowship. You come. Maybe you want to come and pray. Maybe you recognize there's deficiencies and, and you just want to get one-on-one -on -one with the Lord and, and just confess it to him. Whatever it is that you need to do, I encourage you to move as the Spirit moves you. Would you pray with me? Loving Father, we thank you for this day. Father, you know our hearts. They are laid open and bare before you.